Hi. Welcome to hell. I've been covering the whole Amber Heard Johnny Depp saga for the last few weeks on this podcast and on my website, and I had planned to make one more episode on the topic for this week. But then, like a day after I posted my last episode, 6,000 pages of court documents on the recent court case were unsealed, and there's a lot to go through. So, now there's going to be two more episodes on that topic coming. Maybe more, even, because the coverage on this case seems never-ending at the moment. Um, but the first episode is gonna just be an update with all the new information, and then the second will be the one that I originally planned to make for this week. But this episode is neither of those. This is about a separate topic, however, while it might seem totally unrelated to you, it feels very related to me. For whatever reason, be it my own fatigue as a 26-year-old who's been on social media since MySpace was the leading website, or the ever-increasing probability for online discourse to create tangible consequences in the real world, witnessing the conversations taking place on social media over the last, like, three years has begun filling me with an excruciating amount of dread on, like, a daily basis. This year alone, I've watched segments of the Free Britney movement spread such dangerous conspiracy theories that Britney Spears' stalker broke onto her property on her wedding day, wielding a knife, and encouraged on disturbing Instagram lives by people who call themselves Britney fans. I also saw people victim-shaming and mocking Kim Kardashian while her ex-husband went on abusive tirades against her on public platforms just because Kim is a person people generally don't want to show sympathy for. And of course, the trial of Amber Heard and Johnny Depp became the year's biggest hub for toxic online discourse. In some ways, the case and its subsequent controversies have been uniquely chaotic. I've never seen an A-list celebrity exploit social media meme culture in a PR campaign of such a large scale. And for Johnny Depp to win a defamation lawsuit, which is infamously difficult for a celebrity especially, and in one that would likely have been dismissed if it had been filed in a different state, is also pretty abnormal. But. In a lot of ways, everything about that drama felt like a natural outcome of issues that have existed on social media for years and have yet to be effectively reconciled. Something I came across this last Sunday is similarly emblematic of how conflict spirals out of control when exploited on public platforms. Like most things, the bullshit in this case originated on Twitter. Usually, though, Twitter discourse becomes as unproductive as it often does because nuanced conversations should probably not take place on a website-slash-app that encourages users to reduce their perspective to fit within a 280-character limit. But this time, brevity was the opposite of the problem, with the whole disaster taking place over six hours on Twitter spaces. 
Now, if you don't know what Twitter Spaces is, it's a new-ish feature. Twitter rolls out their new features, like, randomly depending on the account. So you could have had it, like, over a year ago, or you could have gotten it really, really recently, but it doesn't matter. It's basically like you're on a Zoom call with no videos, and all of the people on the Zoom call are random Twitter users. Just the kind of people I want to have riveting conversations with. Now, there were quite a few people in this space that are somewhat prominent players in the internet drama commentary community. We'll get to them as they come up, but just a quick disclaimer, all of these people seem to have, like, overlapping issues with one another, and there's, like, layers upon layers of conflict here that I'm not interested in. I... I'm gonna give context where I think it's necessary, but this is not a deep dive explaining, like, all the internet's drama. I, I don't care what these people get up to outside of this Twitter space. Nor have I really done any follow-up on what's happened after this whole fiasco. The only thing I'm interested in here is the fiasco itself, because I think it's pretty much just a case study for everything that I have grown to hate about the internet. The place that I, for some reason, spend all of my time. So let's break this all down. The first person that you need to know, and the main character in tonight's story, is a man named Dennis Fatosa, also known as Deaf Noodles. Folks, I think it's time to bring back an old segment, a fan favorite, if you will. So if you've been on the internet for a while and you're kind of keyed into the whole T-channel internet drama thing, you probably already know Def Noodles. On his YouTube channel, he discusses internet influencer news along with general pop culture, and he updates pretty much once a day on YouTube and then multiple times a day on Instagram where he posts headlines and brief snippets from other news sources. He was, for a while, banned on Twitter, and though he claims that Twitter never actually gave him an official reason for his ban, it's generally assumed that he got suspended for misinformation or some type of harassment, I don't know. He's not an uncontroversial figure, Though up until recently, he didn't seem to ruffle that many feathers. Despite his now wide reach, his channel is not actually that old. It's only about like three and a half, four years old, and it's gone through quite a few different iterations. He first started out with fairly standard reaction videos to like music videos, influencer content, other random shit. Visco girls must be stopped. Why? Well, we're about to see. Over time, though, he started making commentaries on current events. The Amazon is burning. Yes, the Amazon is burning. It's on fire. It has been on fire for about two weeks, folks. This is not a joke. I know usually I make humorous videos, but this is absolutely not a joke. Then eventually introduced a series on his channel called Irrelevant News. Def Noodle's YouTube channel and all of his social media then became a source for 
updates on anything related to the world of online influencer drama. So he was essentially a T-channel, but with a more self-deprecating sense of humor. Irrelevant news pointed to the fact that the things he was talking about was kind of vapid. He was poking fun at the absurdity of even caring about the private drama of complete strangers. And on his social media accounts, he would preface news stories with captions like breaking news that will most definitely change your life or who could have seen this coming for stories that like you could have definitely seen coming. See, so you, you know, you get it. It's sarcastic. It's not meant to be taken that seriously, but he was reporting on real events. While coming to prominence, Dennis was operating his irrelevant news series by inhabiting the Deaf Noodles character, for which he wore cat ear headphones, sat in front of a Minecraft screenshot background, and yelled absolutely all of his points. And folks, let me tell you something. If anybody has any doubt that James Carls Jr. has definitely changed since his hiatus, they should be immediately excommunicated from the internet because that is sacrilegious. In August of 2021, however, he abandoned this persona and announced that he would continue reporting on the news, but from a less contrived perspective. I'm sad because, like, where am I going to get my relevant news, but also not going anywhere? Well, I definitely appreciate that, and I am still talking about relevant news. Uh, I mean, that's what we're going to do right now. I'm just going to be more of me, and hopefully that's as interesting as that character that I made. If not, wow, what is that going to say about me <laughs> if I'm less interesting than this one-dimensional character that I made that just yelled? Uh, <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to feel so bad. Some have said this was the moment that marked the end of Deaf Noodles Prime, but I can't say the content changed all that drastically, at least not after a few months. Maybe Deaf Noodles the cat-eared character was just never that distinct from Dennis the human being? Or maybe he instinctively regressed back to a persona that his audience seemed to prefer? But current Deaf Noodles still yells and articulates exaggerated opinions regularly, typically becoming the most animated while talking about his primary nemesis, Daniel Keem, aka Keemstar. I've been laughing for the last hour that your mom died of cancer. I don't give a fuck about any of you. I am in this for your money and your money only. That's all I care about. Keemstar runs another news-slash-commentary YouTube series called Drama Alert. Even more so than Def, Keemstar is a deeply controversial online figure and an enemy of many, including Ethan Klein of the H3 podcast, whose admiration for Def Noodles seems to have ignited Def and Keem's current feud. Keemstar is so out of his fucking mind when it comes to competition, folks, that even though we had spoken for literally months over DMs, we have each other's phone numbers, we texted, we even talked on the phone several times, one time for almost an hour. Even though we had somewhat of an acquaintance with each other, the minute that Ethan Klein and Trisha Paytas started retweeting me, he absolutely lost his shit, even though I had nowhere near the same relationship 
that I had with Keemstar. Like, I actually kind of knew Keemstar. I had never even spoken to Ethan or Trisha, and he fucking lost his shit to the point where he DM'd me this. You have lost your motherfucking way, and you have lost your motherfucking mind. The day has come, Dennis, and when it comes, I want you to know it was me. What? No comment? Why are you working for Ethan and Trisha? Deaf Noodles has not only made his beef with Keemstar a regularly recurring topic on his channel, he is presently involved in a lawsuit against Keem after Keem tweeted, Deaf Noodles has allegedly groomed girls from ages 12 to 15. Big YouTuber source, victims are scared of him and wish to stay anonymous but may come forward soon, hashtag drama alert. To be clear, no one has ever come forward with any claims of grooming or abuse or anything of the sort against Dennis, and generally I just would not recommend listening to Mr. Keemstar as a credible source of information. Deaf Noodles has said these claims are defamatory and hence, lawsuit. Proving defamation in this country though, unless you're an A-list actor with a dedicated cult following apparently, is hella hard and if proving Keemstar was acting with intentional malice in his tweet wasn't already gonna be an uphill battle for Dennis, he's now seen by many as a blatant hypocrite. While most viewers understood and supported Def's issues with Keemstar, they were less in favor of his beef with YouTuber Papa Gut, whom Def began feuding with about six months ago. The two were separately commentating on a couple different stories, one involving a family channel, a young girl, and some abuse allegations. The details don't really matter right now. All you need to know is, Def made a video about the drama, Papagut disagreed with a lot of Def's points and made a reaction video to Def's commentary, and then Def responded to Papa Gut's reaction video on his own channel. Anyway, folks, I recently covered a story about the B family, specifically the daughter getting harassed after a whole Roblox thing with her older brother. And there's been one video specifically that reacted to my coverage of this that has been an extremely disingenuous misrepresentation of everything that I do in the video. So I just wanted to basically rebut that video. Now, Papa Gut is a pretty reasonable guy. I'm not extremely familiar with his content, but I've seen some of his videos. I don't always agree with him, but I do respect him as someone who seems to want to engage in honest discourse rather than inflammatory posturing. Def Noodle's response to Papagut's criticisms then came across to many as exceptionally overblown. Now, folks, if this absolute fucking moron of a human being had allowed the video to play for just a few more seconds instead of pausing it so he can pontificate to himself and jerk himself off with how intelligent he feels like he is, he would have heard that I literally mentioned the guy's age seconds later. It started a whole thing, which eventually led to Deaf Noodles appearing on Papa Gut's channel for a live chat, which got heated pretty quickly. What I said is, I don't really care if you mention me or apologize to me. I don't care. My main, is the, like I'm trying to talk and you're going. My only thing I would really like it if you did was you just brought up the issue where the B family intentionally misrepresented his age. You're not even letting me, you're not even letting me finish. You're not, you asked me what you wanted clearly from me and you won't even let me finish. I, I said that I'm gonna quit. I said this an hour ago. Okay, but you just asked me to re-clarify. I'm just doing what you asked and you're having a meltdown. No. I'm not having a meltdown. You I'm are, just, man. At this point, I'm just extremely annoyed that I, this yeah, is like too, this the most low IQ, dumb, idiot conversation I've ever had I in my entire life. tend to agree. 
Def came out looking bad, and much of his own community acknowledged it. So, we got a classic YouTuber apology video. So I fucked up. Uh, I'm not gonna sugarcoat any of this. I'm not gonna deflect. I'm not gonna say that it was anything but what it was. It was, uh, it was definitely not my brightest moment. I think it'd be worse if I tried to hide that that happened. It happened. I mean, I made a, a deliberate choice to act like I did in that moment. And it was informed by me just feeling like I was going into a hostile environment. Now, did I overshoot literally everything I did in that moment? Yes, I fucked up. I, I should have taken the time to just, you know, wait and listen and be more patient and hear his side out. But like I said, I was in that mindset that I was like in this really aggressive, hostile environment because of everything that happened leading up to it. And I just wasn't as open as I should have been in that conversation and as I typically am in most conversations. Overall, the apology wasn't bad and the two seemed to squash their beef, but just a little over a week ago, Def Noodles made perhaps his biggest mistake thus far when he made his official return to Twitter. No good story starts with a statement, I logged on to Twitter. And that's a lesson that I also need to internalize, but anyway. One disagreement over Def Noodle's platforming of another controversial figure led to Dennis somehow reigniting his previous feud with Papa Gut. Over several different tweets, Def repeatedly claimed that Papa Gut looks like a pedophile. At one point, he even tagged the FBI's Twitter account and said they should put Papa Gut on a watch list. And he said that he was planning a man on the street segment where he went around to different people and asked them if they thought that Papa Gut looked like a pedophile. <sighs> For the record, Papa Gut often platforms victim stories of sexual assault and abuse, and he's used his platform to call out many alleged rapists and abusers, so people weren't really here for Deaf Noodles calling him a pedophile or implying he's a pedophile or just saying that he looks like a pedophile. The whole thing was bad. It was a bad look all around. And after Dennis's initial tweets, Papagut took to his own YouTube channel and discussed the emotional toll in trying to help abuse survivors as well as his personal connection to the topic of sexual assault after a left one of his confided their own abuse story to him. He was rightfully upset that Dennis would try to levy such a heavy claim against him as a joke, undermining the actual importance of calling out real abusers, not just people who, quote, look like pedophiles, whatever that means. Toward the end of the video, Papagot even started to cry. Shortly after which, Dennis began selling t-shirts of a screenshot from the video with the words, cry about it written on the front. Dennis later said during the Twitter space conversation that he didn't know the context of the screenshot when he made the t-shirts, which really doesn't make it any better, but okay. The controversy in this particular instance did what controversies in the age of the internet do open death up to a pile on for every grievance anyone's ever had with him, which is where this six-hour Twitter space conversation comes in. It's hard to say what Def's original intent was for the space. 
With his recent scandals, I'm sure he knew criticism was coming, but the opening conversations between Def and seemingly just some random fans was mostly polite small talk. Sunday, good? Great, just got back from Ohio. Oh, that's awesome. You know, I'm going to Ohio next weekend. I'm going really? to West. Yeah, I'm going to Columbus. Never been there. I was in Cleveland seeing uh, Elton John with my mom. Oh, wow. Kind of jealous. I love Elton John. Yeah, it was a great concert. He sounded so good for his age. What do you think of Demi Lovato? She's pretty good for her age. The first to introduce actual drama is a user that I don't know the first name of, but her Twitter account links a YouTube channel called An Honest Conversation. She brings up videos from the YouTuber Nick Diorio. Hey, yeah, so can we just talk since Nick Diorio, I don't know if he's in the chat anymore, but or in this little thing, but why is he so obsessed with you? And I'd be like, why are you so obsessed with me? Don't worry, Nick will be on later. Though an honest conversation heaped praise onto Dennis and defended him against other YouTubers. She kind of seems like a yes man. You haven't said shit. Like, like these guys or boys, they've been like talking shit for days, right? For months. And you haven't really said anything here and there. And finally, when you say something, their their minds go crazy. They're like, oh, yeah, oh, definitely said this. Oh, and I'm just like, I mean, you're just speaking. <laughs> I understand why people, some people are just like, oh my gosh, no, Dennis is taking it too, Deaf Noodles is taking it too far. Because like you typically, yeah. you don't respond like this before, but now like, bitch, you're responding and they can't, they're all like crazy. Like, oh my gosh, Deaf Noodles is gonna be done. And I'm just like, you guys, y'all are worse. Other fans were there to make their discontent with his current behaviors known. The first of these critics was a woman named Sage. You gotta be a, like, I hate to tell you, the bigger person, mm -hmm. you know, because you're an and then I'm just gonna move on with my content. Just for your sake, too, because again, you know, like, you're, you talk about legal stuff. And I'm, by the way, I'm so sick of this YouTube era of everybody fucking suing each other. Like, yeah, I just, it's just, just childish. <laughs> like, like, take yeah. them damn t shirts down. And honestly, like, you'll be back up. Trust me. I, again, it, like, I don't see you somebody who's not unreachable. But again, like them damn t-shirts, it's just, it, that was like, okay, we're, we're going too far now. What you're doing with Top of Gut right now, I think is pretty disrespectful. Um, granted, I, I see the back and forth on Twitter, but it could have just been so much better. How do you just give him the benefit of the doubt? Now you're calling him a pedophile as a joke, but it's like my brother, like we're all rooting for you in this Keemstar shit. And it's just, it's, it's kind of hypocritical when you're calling Papa Gut a good man, somebody who's known on the platform for calling out pedophiles, and you're calling him like, you're making fun of him crying, and we got a problem with men not expressing their emotions. That's how men commit suicide. I'm sure you, you understand what it's like to be a man and have people demean your emotions. You're making fun of that. Now, the thing you need to know about Sage is that I love her. I don't know her. I don't think that she makes any sort of content or anything like that. She was just a person on the Twitter space, and everything she said was correct, and I stan her and I would die for her. Confronted with this criticism, Def's response is a typical one that we often hear from a certain breed of people. You know, jokes are jokes. They've always been jokes. In fact, I was watching 
yesterday the Whitney Cummings interview with um, on H3 and she talked about the roast that she did and how when she did the carrot top roast they had to cut around the reactions because he got really offended by the jokes and they still published the, the, the roast, you know, so. Uh, yes, the I was just kidding excuse. I've outlined my intentions. I was joking. I mean, if, if jokes hurt people's feelings and that's what it is. There seems to be a lot of cognitive dissonance with those who claim to be really into comedy. On one hand, they uphold comedy like it's this transformative, complex art form that only a select few truly understand. A sentiment that is actually expressed, by the way, by one of Def's fans in this chat. And I don't think people understand comedy. You know, like, I don't like, no disrespect, but what the fuck does that even mean? At the same time, a lot of these people also uphold the idea that jokes are just jokes. And coming from a media studies background, I find that attitude incredibly frustrating, not only for its dismissive behavior toward harm that can absolutely be caused by jokes, but also because it's just lazy textual analysis. You cannot say that comedy is something that needs to be taken seriously as a high art form and given critical praise, while at the same time reducing comedy to just something that sometimes makes people laugh. Like, it doesn't work that way. Writing jokes is an art form. And there can be a lot of complex ingredients in putting together one joke. Which means that it's perfectly valid to break apart all of those different components and decide if it stands up to scrutiny. You can say offensive things and say them in a way that makes them not really negatively impactful to real human beings' lives. Comedians like Anthony Jeselnik can get away with saying some pretty outrageous stuff that, on the surface level, might be offensive, but he puts it into a context in which the shock value is the joke, or the self-deprecation is the joke. Uh, this is true. My, uh, my mom actually should have been on one of the planes that crashed on 9-11. I think. <laughs> That's a hell of a lot different than just making fun of someone, i.e. by saying they look like a pedophile. And the frustrating thing is, this is something Deaf Noodles seems to understand in the abstract. As with everything with jokes, it's the framing and the target. Okay, that's how you, that's how you joke about these things. You, 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 you find the right target, okay? You can joke about anything as long as you have the right target. So. There's, you know, a, a lot of what comedy is, is punching up, essentially. So you want to punch up. I mean, you can punch down too, and it often happens with comics, especially when you're dealing with roast, but... And yet doesn't seem to know how to properly apply that idea. Over and over again, he mentions his background in comedy like somehow him having knowledge about stand-up, means that he understands jokes in a way that us little plebeians can't? One thing he consistently brings up is some vulture interview that he did years ago, which he seems to think proves that he's like some dedicated satirist and everything he says shouldn't be taken seriously because 
He's kidding. It. Uh... I, even in this interview that I plugged uh, a couple of days ago, that I, I said that I, you know, that I did back in 2019, I talk about this. If you go back to my interview, back to the uh, like all the way back to 2019. So here's the thing. I, I explained this also going back to 2019. I explained this in the interview. My intentions have been the same since I started the channel. I, like I, I mentioned here earlier, there's an interview we can go back all the way to 2019 that I did where I outlined all the intentions. You can go back to Vulture. You'll see that I said the same thing. I'm not, but, but, I can say this and I keep saying it. And there's like literal interviews on one of the, on the biggest comedy podcasts in America where I explain all of this. And like anyone who claims to be attempting satire, he also brings up Stephen Colbert a lot. That's fair to say about Colbert too. People thought Colbert was 100% real. There was a, a tweet from Colbert that when I talked about my influences being Stephen Colbert and like The Daily Show or even, jo or even um, Colbert back when he did the satirical show on Comedy Central thinking that that was actual news, you know, and Colbert was actually a Republican. So here's the thing, one of Colbert's most brilliant segments. So Colbert is making fun of the victims, okay? He's not making fun of the victims. He's making fun of the bad guy, essentially Jeffrey Epstein. Personally, I think that it's just gotten to a point where we need to pass a law or something that bans any self-proclaimed comedian from just saying the name Stephen Colbert. Because every time they do, they're like doing this weird comparison thing where they think that their attempts at satire are up to the standards of Stephen Colbert, and they never are. Nor do they even seem to really understand what satire is. Or what Stephen Colbert in particular was doing. I know it's been a while, so I shouldn't just assume that any of the youngins automatically understand Stephen Colbert's connection to satire, because the Colbert Report has been off the air since 2014. So I think there probably are a lot of Zoomers right now who only associate him with his CBS late night show. I know that notion will be likely horrifying to some, but so everyone's on the same page. Stephen Colbert used to host a show on Comedy Central called The Colbert Report. It was a spin-off of The Daily Show, in which Stephen would present the news, mostly in relation to politics, from the perspective of a right-wing conservative character. The minds of our young people are being poisoned by knowledge. And the source of this toxic cerebral sludge is our schools. They fill our kids' heads with dangerous concepts like evolution and P.E. Now, happily, there is one bright spot in education, Texas. The Large Hadron Collider of Denying Science. Everything Stephen said was in character. He clearly did not agree with pretty much 99.99% of the stuff that he said on the show, and that was obvious. Anyone who was paying attention to the tone of the show could know that Stephen didn't agree with the things that he was literally saying. Contrast that to Deaf Noodles, where he is not really in character. He has a public persona, that might be a little bit more exaggerated and angry than like 
his real self, but all of the stuff that he says on the Deaf Noodles channel is pretty much stuff that he believes, albeit with a more garish presentation. He points out that he's making like a satire of internet news or independent news sources by the fact that he calls his segment irrelevant news and he does those things like breaking news that will most definitely change your life. But like, that's not in itself making the entire show a satire. That's just like tongue-in-cheek ironic humor. There is just not enough to imply that the opinions he articulates on his show is not how he actually feels. And he doesn't seem to get that difference. At one point he even says something about maybe when he starts doing more live shows and you can hear like the people laughing in the background that that will help people understand that it's just comedy and it's satire. As if, like, laugh tracks are what make something read as a joke. This is something that I've been saying around the office and part of the reason why I want to do live shows. Because, you know, like, like you watch the difference between the, 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 late, the late night shows when they were doing it at home versus now that they have their audiences back, right? Comedy, you kind of need a laugh track behind it. Stephen Colbert addressed Congress in character. There was absolutely no laugh track, it sounded kind of uncomfortable, and you could still tell that he was kidding. As we've heard this morning, America's farms are presently far too dependent on immigrant labor to pick our fruits and vegetables. Now the obvious answer is for all of us to stop eating fruits and vegetables. And also like, go ahead and add a laugh track to your show, no one's stopping you from doing that. See if it helps. Now, folks, if this absolute fucking moron of a human being had allowed the video to play for just a few more seconds instead of pausing it so he can pontificate to himself and jerk himself off with how intelligent he feels like he is, he would have heard that I literally mentioned the guy's age seconds later. But anyway, I don't even know how this conversation keeps coming up in the Twitter space because it's pretty irrelevant to what happened with Papa Gut. Like... You and Papa Gut had beef that was very real. You were not in character when you were on his live stream. You were absolutely really upset. You continued to go back and forth with him and then repeatedly said he looked like a pedophile on the internet and said that you were going to have people on the street say he looked like a pedophile and you made t-shirts with his face on it crying. like. That's not really jokes. It's not at least satire in the way that you're presenting it. You were trying to get at Papa Gut. He was a victim of these jokes. This guy has to be a fucking moron, folks, because he clearly doesn't know the difference between a joke, which traditionally has set up in punchline, versus somebody saying mean shit to just hurt someone's feelings. He wasn't in on it. It was just harassment. It would be satire maybe if, like, Deaf Noodles as a character was more built up and then everything you said about Papa Gut was really obvious as, like, the joke is on you, that you're a horrible person for saying someone looks like a pedophile, but that's not 
what the joke was. Even as he explains the joke, he says that it was a roast on Papa Gut. He doesn't say that it was a satire with his Deaf Noodles character. So why are we having this discussion to begin with? The obvious answer is that this was a deflection. That Deaf could not provide a good reason for why he did what he did to Papa Gut, so he just kind of leaned on his background as a comedian, and it was really weird. At some point, another comedian who said that he was in New York around the same time that Deaf Noodles was, comes onto the Twitter space and starts saying something that I thought was maybe gonna lead somewhere productive. And it feels a little bit like you're trying to romanticize that experience. So yeah, what's your point? Well, I'm just curious, like, why do you think that struggle is, is pertinent to, like, you know, being the comic YouTuber? Like, when he first brings this up, I'm like, okay, someone who's gonna point out that your credentials as a comedian doesn't make everything you say okay. But then it really quickly devolves into the two of them just arguing about who gets to call themselves a comedian in the first place, and Def just keeps rattling off his, like, credentials. It's super weird, and it goes on for, like, a long time. Any comic who graduates off to other, you know, shows, whether you're doing Bringers or any other kind of show, I did I did a lot of club shows in New York, like Back I said, I performed day, at the I had, like, Eastville, major, like, I needed, like, like, show or whatever, it's not, like, enough to come and do, or, like, as there were, like, headlining comedians, like, had a guy who was one of the finalists. Uh, I've also, in the, even my own, like, open mics that I've used to host. So, yeah, I'm familiar that they're different rooms, and they just play to these different rooms, you know, you get used to it just being what it is. Each room is a different room, they try to tap in, sometimes you start off the line, and then you end up on a big note. Sometimes you start off, like, I don't really know what the time is. When someone brings up that his lawsuit against Keemstar might be kind of hypocritical with his current behavior, this is how Def explains the difference between what Keemstar did and what he was doing. So the difference is Keemstar's account, you go read the top of his account, says the most trusted uh, news page on uh, social interactions or whatever. He bills himself as a newsman. He said on multiple occasions, I've sent people to jail, to prison, for these accusations. So he makes a post which there's no differentiation whatsoever on whether it's news, on whether it's a joke. It's straight up presented as hard news. In fact, he uses hashtag drama alert. So because Keemstar markets himself as hosting a news show, it's different from when Def Noodles, who markets himself as a comedian, makes pretty much the same joke and also makes it repeatedly and is pretty blatantly harassing someone who doesn't really want anything to do with him. Let's yet again acknowledge that being a comedian doesn't mean that you're not accountable for your actions, but also 
Since when is Deaf Noodles not trying to be a credible source of information? He very clearly, whether he considers his show satire or not, tries to get semi-accurate information to the point where he's even defended himself when accused of spreading misinformation. Anyway, folks, now that we've established that this person who Keemstar vouched for so strongly thinks that I'm a hack, that I'm dishonest, that I have no credibility, in fact, I'm fake news, wouldn't it be delectably ironic if this person ended up using me as a source in one of their videos? Because that is exactly what they did on July 8th. In fact, they show an article in their video that is completely based around my Twitter post. Must be kind of weird to very publicly call someone fake news and then turn around a little bit later and literally use an article as a source for a video that is literally based on the Twitter posts of the person who you called fake news. And when he was on the H3 podcast, he actually won an award from H3, which crowned him like the best news slash T channel. Best YouTube drama news coverage. Ooh, mama, I'm rooting for you, buddy. Yeah, the winner is <laughs> Deaf Noodles. All right, well, thank you. You would think if his whole thing is that he's not actually a news source and nobody should take him seriously as such, he would like turn down the award or make some sort of clarifying statement. But that's not really what he did. Thank you so much. Hey, I'm going to take, can I, can I say something? I'm going to split my award with everyone because here's the thing. I want everyone to, to do more news coverage so we can just uh, to kill Keemstar's piece of the pie. Even there, he really just puts himself in the same category as Keemstar and says that he wants more commentary channels to get Keemstar out of that space. The space that he is also in, because they do the same thing. Like, I get in a way that Keemstar's accusation was more of an actual accusation, whereas Deaf Noodles was at least kind of trying to hide behind the fact that his was a joke. But still, like, if your whole argument is that Keemstar is a news source and you're not, that's just not true. You are a news source, and people do take you seriously as a news source, and you know that. This whole I'm a comedian thing just seems like such a transparent effort to not be held accountable for the things that you say and do in public. And it's not only Deaf Noodles that seems to think the world works this way. Right? Like I don't know. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. I feel like if you're a creator, you don't have a responsibility. You're just That's... doing your job. Not only is this perspective frustrating just from like the Deaf Noodles does have a large platform and a lot of people do listen to him angle. It's also frustrating from the angle of you're a human being. You have responsibilities to be a good human being or at least a decent one. Everyone has a responsibility to take accountability for their own impact on the world. It's not just a problem that Deaf Noodles, someone who happens to have a large following, is being mean to someone. It's a problem that Deaf Noodles, a human being, is being mean to someone. You don't need to have a large following to be responsible for your own actions. 
Even when asked if he thought that he had gone too far, this is what Deaf Noodles says in return. My job isn't to judge how far I go, it's to go. Other people say, you've gone too far. That's how it works in my business. That's how it works, that's how it works with comedy. That's, you know, if people are, it's reactions. So you think I went too far. We may ask somebody else, they may think, dude, you didn't go far enough. So the line isn't for me to decide. Yet again, this is bullshit. Not just as a comedian. It's your job as a person to self-regulate. Imagine if you got pulled over by a police officer for speeding, and when the police officer asked you, do you know how fast you were going, you responded with, it's not my job to pay attention to the speed with which I'm driving. Some people might think I was going too fast, other people might think that I wasn't going fast enough, and my role as, like, a driver is to just drive. I've run into this shit with Free Britney a lot, like, when I've pointed out to people that they're spreading misinformation and conspiracy theories that are doing real harm, I've been met with people who say things like, why does it matter to you, this is just my interpretation, or even one person who did have a pretty significant platform literally said after I had criticized them for spreading harmful rhetoric that they're not a journalist, so they don't have a duty to make sure that everything they say is accurate and communicated responsibly. I'd love to live in a world where journalists and trained professionals and experts on particular subjects were the only opinions on those subjects that mattered, but that's not the world we live in. Unfortunately, we are all part of the society, and the things that we say and do to one another matter. Moving on, Dev's defensiveness becomes so glaringly obvious in this conversation in the weirdest of instances. Not only was he pressed about a guy implying he's not a real comedian, he also gets defensive when a girl comes on and tells him she's been following him since close to the beginning of his channel. But around 100k, I was mostly reacting to music videos from like, like even Thailand. I, I was reacting to music videos from Thailand and the uh, Philippines and K-pop and like all this stuff. So I'm curious if you were actually watching me that because you would know. Yeah, no, I was I was watching you around the Onision uh, parts. So if you say that that's 200k, then you just hit 200k. However, all the girl really wanted to say was that she's been following him for a long time and she's been kind of disappointed with his recent behavior. But he latches on to this one small thing about how long she's actually been watching him because if he can disprove that, it'll make him feel better about her overall argument, and this pattern of deflection will continue. For the most part, random Twitter users on the call are making some of the best, most well-articulated and respectful points. Only one girl gets super heated. 
okay, listen, it only takes one crazy person to yes. do some dirty shit. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. it only takes one crazy ass person to see your tweet. And I'm talking a crazy person to see your tweet. Take that shit serious. I and believe, before you okay, know it, okay, but Daphne said that he, that he would be willing watch. to talk to Pat. I am not finished. I did not finish my sentence. It only takes one crazy person to see your tweet take it serious and before you know it while papa gut is live he could get swatted okay. because they got his so, here's my follow-up to that where was this energy when keemstar made the false allegation against me motherfucker i was defending you back okay, then even her points are fair though just the yelling is a little much but the yelling is like nothing compared to the even stranger aspect of this discussion where it seems like this girl has beef with one of the other users in the space. If you want like to talk about being disrespectful, what about you and your friends making fun of me for having an OnlyFans? Honey, I don't know. I don't know who you are. I don't make. I don't make fun of people with OnlyFans. I have. I have the tweets with you co-signing. Y'all are harassing me. I hope you're enjoying it. But honey, I'm not good. harassing you. I, I thought it was tweet. funny you're up I thought it was funny you're up here standing and sucking somebody's virtual dick, but I mean I haven't Grow been around I didn't know who you were. You wanna go toe to toe with me? Let's go. I don't know what the fuck is going on there. But moving on, there's also this asshole. I'll fucking I'll fucking leave, but stop letting these women talk for that long. That was annoying as shit. Next time kick them immediately. Uh, refresh the group, more men. But we should note that some of the worst behavior on this Twitter space comes from other influencers with significant platforms of their own, including even a candidate for the U.S. Senate, if we can call him an influencer. The one thing that Michael Guy needs to do is actually look into yeah. people on Twitter who are about what he does, and he needs to get into a space about things that like actually revolving around politics or something. Because being in a Twitter space with four hundred people trying to clown on you, Death, I don't really, I don't really think that's going to do anything. Yeah, Michael's inclusion on this Twitter space is truly just bizarre, and multiple people pointed out, including this guy who is. Maybe a little harsh in his delivery, but he's got some points. Yeah. Michael, uh, the primaries in August 2nd, what the fuck are you doing here? What are you doing here? The primaries, the Kansas primaries is August 2nd. Why aren't you campaigning? Why are you in a fucking Twitter group chat with Def Noodles and Keemstar? What kind of, what kind of fucking dumbass bullshit is that? And I, 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 may, may I respond or do, uh, may, may I respond? Yeah, yeah, you can respond. Or, or do you just do you just want to make your point and just be abusive and insulting? Oh, abusive and insulting. Are you going to cry like a bitch? Michael goes on to defend his decision to be in this Twitter space by just bringing up the fact that Def Noodles has a lot of followers and he seems really obsessed with follower counts. Actually, your numbers are pretty good, Drew. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, ex you know exactly what we're talking about. You've got about twenty-three thousand people following you. Uh, bro, I have following a YouTube you. account, yeah, where I make YouTube Come videos on. about weed. Like, you don't just like well, don't just, I mean, don't just the, the people. You, you know very well the numbers mean something. But like, numbers, they don't mean anything, bro. Anything. Doesn't oh, mean I guess person, they do. Doesn't mean a bad person. It doesn't mean 
He's like a parody of what people think influencers talk like. Like he's an actual clout goblin come to life. Just so you can rest easy, by the way, he did not win the primary. In fact, I think he came in last place. But soon after Michael comes into the chat, he's followed by Keemstar, the man that Deaf Noodles is currently in a lawsuit with. And for some reason, Keemstar and this Michael guy already know each other. Hello, I've heard my name mentioned multiple times and no one Absolutely, would let me talk back. Mike, it's nice to meet you. Uh, I, th I think we I think we actually have done uh, some podcast work before. I believe I may be wrong. I know you already shared a stage with me, and your career wasn't ruined. So little be incorrect. But instead of talking about the lawsuit or any of that beef in particular, Keemstar just gives Dennis some heartfelt advice. And I think that you need, uh, you know, a brand new pair of rollerblades and you need to go uh, rollerblade like five miles a day. Thoughts? This will continue going on as like a joke throughout the Twitter space. I still don't understand it. I don't know what's going on, but I think it's best that we remind ourselves that everyone in here, at least everyone that I know, is a full-ass adult. Rollerblading is good. You know, you can feel the motion, mm -hmm. you can get into the groove, and you're just soothing through the streets of LA. I think you need rollerblades. Yeah, I, and I support Kim in recommending Venice Beach. I don't have rollerblades, and I'm going to Ohio. Oh, you can you can rent them in you can rent them in Venice Beach, right, Kim? I believe so. And I think you should ask the people here, if you would forgive Deaf Noodles if you saw a piece of content of him rollerblading, put any oh emoji out, the heart, the laughing emoji, any emoji, <laughs> any emoji. Look at these emojis through the chat. <laughs> the chat is exploding Bro. with emojis right now, Deaf Noodles. Bro. This is the ticket. This Bro. is how you get out. We need to see you rollerblade. Look, if you want to call me Venice. Then enter Cat Tenbarge. Now, Kat is a journalist. She works for NBC News currently. She previously worked for Business Insider, and she's most well known for the story that led to the downfall of David Dobrik and the Vlog Squad's careers. Well, at least one of the many things that led to the downfall of their careers. Kat's article detailed an event in which a young 20-year-old girl was given alcohol at a party that David Dobrik had thrown and gotten really drunk so that David's friend slash vlog squad member Dirty Dom could rape her. I mean, that wasn't like the intent, like let's get her drunk to rape her, but if you're getting someone drunk in order for them to have sex with you, that is what's happening. So Kat came to prominence for that, and she's remained in the internet drama sphere as a reporter and also as a participant, more or less. Kat is very vocal on social media. She writes about internet drama for NBC, but she also tweets about it regularly and very pointedly. And she's had some issues with Deaf Noodles in the past, so most recently, when this stuff with Papa Gut was going down, 
Kat tweeted about it and talked about how it was super hypocritical for Def to say what he said about Papa Gut while he was suing someone for pretty much doing the same thing. This then prompted Def Noodles to respond saying that Kat had tweeted an article that she had written with the caption saying that someone basically had sex with a young woman, which Def said implied pedophilia. It doesn't matter. Let's listen to them hash it out. Hi, Dennis. Um, in my original tweet, I said that Monty Lopez had been accused of pursuing young women, which by definition, young women are over the age of 18, which you said was implying pedophilia. So I'm curious if you can explain how pursuing young women implies someone is a pedophile. 100%, so we talked about this earlier, right? So in the media, there's uh, there, there's a lot of like, like uh, terms or keywords that imply one thing, but sometimes imply another. Young women, I felt like the young the young part in front of it was purposely to infantilize and give the idea that she was younger than what she actually was to make it seem like he was a pedophile. That's just my perspective in media as much as I have to, you know, that's what I thought it was and that's why I said what I said. Now, well, that it, it was different that you're, you're coming from, a, then that's fine, that I see what you're saying. But that was my initial reaction to it when I first saw it. Typically, people in media don't soften their accusations. They just state them outright. Like if someone is accused of sleeping with somebody under the age of 18, someone will say they're accused of having sex with a blank, whatever their age is. But in addition to the 25-year-old, the article also went into the allegations that he had pursued a 19-year-old. So a 19-year-old is certainly a young woman and not a just a woman. <laughs> now, I would first like to say that... I think that Kat is a very intelligent person. I think that she's a good writer. And I think that what she's doing at NBC writing about internet culture is like important, you know? The internet is a really influential thing in our lives and we should take it seriously and we should talk about it in a serious way. However, first of all, when you're actively participating in drama online and you're commenting on it directly and initially as soon as the drama starts, that does make you look a little less credible as a journalist because if you're constantly interacting with the subjects of your pieces, you don't really have a leg to stand on when you try to act like an unbiased source. The fact that Kat was even responding to this thing that Def had said is already kinda weird. Like, I get when you get criticized, you might want to respond to it, you might want to clarify, but what Def said was so obviously unreasonable that you can just kind of take it with faith that anyone who is actually looking into the situation will see immediately that Def Noodles is wrong. You're always gonna have critics, and you gotta pick your battles at some point. This, to me, was not a battle worth fighting. But if you're gonna fight it, at least do it in a way that seems professional. Like, coming onto a Twitter space? Not the look. Not it. Issue a statement reiterating the fact that you never accused anyone of having sex with an underage girl, at least in this particular article, and move on. 
don't seek out a back and forth with a content creator when you write about content creators. It makes you look petty and it undermines your work. And especially in this conversation, the whole like fake giggling thing, like, oh my God. I mean, it's so annoying when people do that in general, but I definitely don't want to hear it from a journalist. You could have easily saved any of the things that Depp Doodle said about you and addressed them in a piece, a long-form article about Deaf Noodle's waning credibility online. You could have just mentioned it in the article. And now, if you do that, if you write an article about Deaf Noodles, people are gonna remember you from the fucking Twitter space you did where you fake giggled and confronted him on something that was really a non-issue. Makes you seem like you got beef with someone, not like you're an outside source reporting on the internet's drama. And it's not only Kat's beefing with other influencers that's the problem. She's also very publicly friends with another YouTuber named Adam McIntyre. Now, I have no problems with their friendship. They both seem like good people, they both seem smart, and, you know, I just, I love friends. I love it when people are friends. I hope they stay friends forever. But they need to do it a little more quietly. Because, number one, when Adam McIntyre is tweeting shit about Cat just destroyed Dennis in this Twitter space, and then Cat comes on and starts liking those tweets, not good. Makes you look like a fucking high school clique. Not a fucking serious journalist, and I don't know how to explain that. Like, what is happening in our world when an NBC reporter just engages in petty drama on Twitter? And then Adam McIntyre comes in. Adam is a T-channel on YouTube, a drama commentary channel, and overall, I like him. He usually has some good takes, and he seems like a nice person, but... I don't know what the fuck his problem was in this Twitter space. Like, I know he's had issues with Deaf Noodles before, and I understand why, but he comes onto this space, and the thing that he's talking with Deaf about is the fact that Deaf had said that he was trying to move away from, like, the internet drama commentary and move more into general pop culture and general news. When Def describes that process, he's being pretty reasonable. Like, he says that he's slowly inching away from the internet drama and incorporating new content, but he doesn't want to lose all of his audience and all of his subscribers, so he's really slowly going in that direction, which means he's still gonna be talking about internet drama quite a bit, and it's gonna be a slow progression. Makes sense. Totally. Fine. But as Def is explaining all of that, Adam is like doing these little mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that just comes across pretty condescending, and then he's like really unsatisfied with the answer that Def gave, and number one, I don't understand why. Like. 
It was a pretty clear explanation to me and everyone else in that chat at the time. And two, he's pretty obviously annoyed about something. Like, it wasn't just an innocent question like, Oh, hey, I saw that you said you wanted to be moving away from this content, but you're still making it. Um, could you explain that process? Like, it's not a genuine inquiry. You're fully making content for that. So to say, fuck you, like, oh, I'm all those people are leaving anyway. That's what you built your channel off of. I agree or disagree. He's clearly trying to go somewhere with it, but I don't know where. And I'm not the only one. No one is able to figure out why Adam seems to be upset. I'm trying to understand what your point is. You want me to stop posting the content that I post? Or you want me to post just the other content? That's what I think. I think. No. Um, <laughs> what the hell? Um, is your whole point basically? I like. Is the whole point like if you made your statement of how you're moving on? Is the whole point like stop posting about YouTube drama? Is that it? No, the point is you just said that you like introducing new content to gain a new audience and you know you had this runway of the previous audience with older stuff. So why would you continue clickbaiting drama, getting a getting more of an audience of the older content that you no longer are making because it's that's the runway. The reason why is because there are people who are there. I have over half a million people still want to watch that content. So I'm still serving them to the best of my abilities while on the other side covering yeah. pop culture stuff. I, co I just covered the Will Smith apology. That's more broad pop culture stuff. Yeah, Dennis, uh, I I'm doing the exact same thing and that's a lot of words for something that's very easy to describe. <laughs> and Adam is also trying to act like he's not upset when he's clearly being really combative. Specifically want me to do, if you want me to stop posting videos about a certain thing and dennis it's not that dramatic i'm not emotionally involved with your content i'm just <laughs> answering something that you literally just said yeah and i i answer that to barely melodies but you are super aggressive baby <laughs> you just seem very invested in like me publishing content in whatever way you see that I should, or if I should but stop. But did you offend people when you said you weren't gonna do drama anymore? Did that like offend some people? Like, oh, drama's, you know, too, I'm too good for no, drama but... now. When he said he's not doing drama anymore, were you like, oh, are you too good for drama, Death Noodles? Like, I'm just trying to figure you no, out because I of went, your talk. No, I, no, I went for stupid as tweet. I, I really don't know here. The only thing I can think is that Adam is pissed at Deaf Noodles and wanted to join this bandwagon, but didn't really have a particular thing to bring up that was different from the stuff other people were bringing up. So he just kind of tried to trap Deaf in a corner with something. Like this is the weirdest part of the entire Twitter space to me because this is the only part where I can't tell what the fuck is going on. I mean, I couldn't tell really with the whole like rollerblading thing, but that was Keemstar. Like, I don't expect to know what's happening in his brain. Adam is a mostly reasonable person. I don't know what's happening here other than everyone's just acting really childish. And then there's also Rich Lux for a second. He comes on, talks to Deaf Noodles for a minute, but they seem to resolve their issues pretty quickly, so I'm not even gonna waste my time with the Rich Lux thing. It's a non-issue as far as I'm concerned, but... Then, we get Nick DiOrio, who was brought up earlier in the episode. And this interaction goes so smoothly. 
Hello. What's up? My audio. It's fine. Perfect. I don't think we've actually spoken before um, in like the the full year that we've had like a an issue. Um, it's weird. I, I just kind of want. Hold up. To... Oh, sure. Just saying. What what issue do you think we have? Because I don't think we. I don't think. I think you're oh, kind you like of me? assuming. You. Wait, you like me? You like me? You like me? Like me? It's not even like high school drama at this point. It's like fucking middle school. I, I guess I kind of just wanted to ask you if you're like. Are you, are you self-aware in this? Do you kind of understand why people think you're a little crazy? Look, I've been talking to people for, I don't even know how long this has been going, but, you know, I'm listening. I, I almost feel bad uh, for you because a lot of these whether or not people have been insane. Crazy, like, like, you mean like mental institution no, crazy? No, no, you mean no, no, like no, but people just think that you're crazy, like, off like, your rocker recently. I, I mean, like, just off your rocker recently. Not like fucking put this guy in a cage. He's gonna rock. hurt somebody crazy. Okay. You guys are fucking adults. Can't you guys just get into like a group chat and be shady to each other there? Like, why are you doing this shit in public? This should be embarrassing. You should be embarrassed. Thankfully, as the childishness is just ramping up, we are finally greeted by the man of the hour. That's right. Papa's home. Okay, so what's what's happening in here? What are we what are we doing? Like, what's what's up? We're, we're right, in the I'm asking... talking about the tweet. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't. Is that where you want to start, or maybe the two of us should start like fresh here, death? So I would say that this interaction definitely doesn't start good. It definitely doesn't go anywhere good either. But one thing that I will criticize Papa Gut for is. He is a little bit too quick to assign intention to Deaf Noodles, most amusingly with this claim. You've been obsessed with me for no reason other than I can assume is that you saw that Ethan Klein said something nice about me, and you've been on a meltdown since that's like your, your guy. This one really made me laugh because there was a time where Adam McIntyre and Rich Lux were feuding because of like the H3 Steamy Awards that Deaf Noodles ultimately won the award for, but Adam and Rich were both nominated for that news slash T channel category. And while that whole voting thing was going down, Adam had said something about something Rich Lux had done in the past, and then Rich accused him of trying to sabotage him so that he could win the H3 Steamy Award. Like, it was so bizarre. And I just love the idea that all of these people are fighting over the approval of Ethan Klein. I think I could fuck a chimpanzee up. Maybe... Maybe not 100% of the time, but maybe a 50-50. I get it though. Ethan Klein has never acknowledged my existence, so I'm not sure that I'm really even a person. But anyway, Papa Gut is really the only primary character in this whole saga that seems to understand how ridiculous this entire thing is. And he rightfully points out that anything between him and Dennis probably shouldn't exist on this particular platform in this particular kind of discussion. Listen, we're in a one-on-one. -on -one. I don't want anybody fielding for me. I don't want anybody fielding for Dennis. This is a way to, I would like to just kind of get back to the point with myself and Dennis. This is one of the reasons why I didn't want to do this because I kind of knew that something like this okay. was gonna happen. One moment that got me like 
actually heated was when Nick chastised Papa Gut for getting emotional while continuing to talk about the very traumatic thing that he had had to kind of relive with this entire harassment campaign that Def had lobbied against him. Dennis, this is horrible. No, this is why I didn't want to have you guys fielding this situation because I know that you. No, 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 no. Stop. You no, no. See, this is this is victim Olympics. No, this isn't victim. This is Jesus Christ, Nick. You need to stop. I understand in the commentary sphere, you guys have different types of conversations. This is a like a big conversation. Like I'm 32. I know. Let me. No, no. him when you go. I'm not. No, because I know the way that you guys are framing it. Oh, Dan, Papa Gut, you're not owning him because you're expressing a real trauma. Dennis is trying to make the assertion that I'm piggybacking a trauma while desperately avoiding the situation. And you guys are running defense because this is how you talk. That's fine. I'm trying to have a very real conversation here with a lot of stakes. I don't, it's okay if you think less of me because I'm expressing this, I'm okay with that. But this is why I didn't want to get pulled into a Twitter space with hundreds of people on it, because I knew we were going to play a game where everybody was going to want to get their two cents in. And this is really it, right? Like two people, did something, well, really, one person did something to another person that was really hurtful and not okay, and instead of that thing being taken seriously as a point of conflict between two human beings, it's now a point of public discourse, and Nick is saying that by being emotional and feeling actually hurt by certain things, Papa God is just not owning death. Like, that's what the goal was. Owning someone should not be the goal of being in conflict. When someone does something to you that was hurtful, you deserve the right to be emotional about the hurt that you're feeling. We should not be asking someone to put that aside because it doesn't make for a good debate. Fuck a debate. Def Noodles put his fucking crying face on a t-shirt. This has gone past the point of just discourse. As nosy as I am, this entire conversation just shouldn't have happened in the public sphere like this. It was really inappropriate for Def to get on that Twitter space to begin with and start talking about something that was really emotionally affecting to another human being. And then to have that other human being feel like they needed to come on and defend themselves in a conversation that they never asked to be a part of and is now a piece of public spectacle. But as bad as I feel for Papa Gut, I do also feel bad for Dennis because throughout this whole thing, he is not just not performing well as a conversationalist or a debater, he seems to just not be even able to interact with the discourse in an intellectually or emotionally honest way. He frequently responds to questions by just deflecting or changing the subject. Fuck. Did that happen? Did Frank, you apologize to me on stream? For anybody who's been here for the five hours, for anybody who's been here for the five hours, they've heard me say a whole bunch of stuff. I don't care about what was said when I wasn't here. It's, it's irrelevant. Well, mainly, if we're if I'm talking about this one specific question, do you think you took it too far? 
you start talking about intention and comedy and this and that like it's it's a very simple question do you think you took it too far or do you not think you took it too far like let's take for example the t-shirts do you think the t-shirts were too far because i personally do here's the thing that's it that's your interpretation of it i may ask someone else and they may think that i didn't take it far enough um, so, like, oh. you, this is where we're starting. Because you so already, like, you pretended to apologize, but you already admitted that was disingenuous, right? Okay. I look. I get you want to get a lot off your chest, like, but th this is gonna be. You gotta have some kind of conversation, otherwise, it's just gonna be you yelling at me, like, trying to interrupt it. Like, what, what goes through your I head when it happens? I, like I said, I, I don't have time to like watch all their videos. There's like so many videos. Are you guessing? Are you trying to guess like me or yourself at this point? Look, I. Talked about the thing in the video. I didn't you talk just about it. You didn't talk about it. I didn't talk about it in the terms that you're framing oh, it as. Yeah. He tries to claim that people said things that they absolutely did not say. In particular, he gets really hung up on different words like joke, for instance. He seems to define joke as being something that is funny and appropriately so. So when he's talking about a joke that Papa Gut had made a long time ago and has also apologized for and said that he regrets making, he says that what Papa Gut said wasn't actually a joke because he doesn't think it's appropriate to joke about stuff like that. Like, basically what it was was Papa Gut had made a joke about something involving like a young girl that was a gross joke to make and Papa Gut said he regrets making it. By challenging the idea that it was a joke, Def implies that Papa Gut actually has some sort of attraction to young girls and is a pedophile, and that's really disingenuous. You can say that the joke was bad or that it was gross and not appropriate and shameful, but you can't then say because you don't like the joke that he was being sincere when he said it. But Deaf Noodles acts like that's the same thing. Repeatedly. We did, we did get to a point where he said he doesn't think it's funny. Now, uh, so I, I'm trying yeah, to understand I what, jokes literally, I, what, what we're going Jokes now. aren't like created whether someone thinks they're funny. There, there are gonna be people who find every single I mean, joke not funny. Exactly. You would laugh at every single joke like that if somebody told it from that point of view of a grown man fucking a 14-year-old girl. If it's a, if a, a different one, if, you, if it's like a, written differently, you would objectively find one that's actually funny. We're not having a conversation of a, whether Papa got who looks like Papa got fucking a Like, children. what is your point? Nick, what is your point? My point is he accused Papa Gut of being a pedophile because he was mad that Papa Gut was making videos on him. It's pretty fucking how was that an when How is that an accusation when you yourself said you don't think it's a joke? To, to talk, for him to say that he's fucking a 14-year-old girl. What are you talking about? A, you're putting parentheses around joking. The obvious implication that everyone is drawing is that you're saying how is it about what you said it yourself. And when people are saying this to you... Then when Papa Gut describes everything that Deaf Noodles has been saying about him as slanderous, Deaf then gets really hung up on the definition of slander, even though... Papa Gut says they can use a different thing to describe it. Just explain to me how calling someone an incel is a slanderous sure. claim. So like I was saying before, again, Dennis, if you think that the term slander is too loaded, I said about four times now, we can doubt. No, don't, don't read the we conversation. Can, 
Don't redefine the conversation. Just answer so the Dennis, question. If How? You, I will retract the in this instance the word slander, but I will still hold to the fact that you had a very dishonest framing. But it works better for Depp's argument if they go with like a legal definition of slander, because then he can more easily disprove it. Even though he doesn't even bring up the fact that in a legal context, slander is spoken words, and the stuff that Deaf Noodles said about Papagut, he said in tweets, so really, if it was anything, it would be libelous, but whatever. It doesn't matter. We know what Papagut meant by that, but Deaf Noodles pretends that he doesn't because that's not what works best for his argument. What Deaf Noodles and his supporters do that's most shameful to me, though, is they undermine Papa Gut's emotional reaction to begin with by implying that he has no right to be upset about something that personally affected him just because it personally affected him through a person that he cares for and not a trauma that happened directly to him. Now you're piggybacking off of someone else's drama so that you can draw them up sympathy for yourself. That is just a gross talking point, and it's also upheld by Dennis's own friend and I believe co-host on his podcast, Stephen, who says this about Papa Gut's emotional response to the drama. Now, if you're an adult and you see how the media works, this dude is making channels or he's making YouTube videos for his for for his you know as his career. Anyone knows. Like, I'm not bowing down to white tears, okay? You crying online, I'm thinking you signaling something completely different. If what you're is, sad, wait, 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 wait. Like, what does white tears have to do with him being upset with uh, victims of sexual assault? How did that, how did that turn into that? Now, obviously, Stephen has a point that, yeah, white people's pain is taken more seriously than people of color, especially black people. But it's also kind of irrelevant, like, just because Papa Gut's pain might be taken more seriously by some people doesn't mean that it's not real. This is something people do on the internet a lot. It's absolutely fine to acknowledge privilege and how different people are treated differently based on their skin or their gender or their gender identity, their queer identity, yada yada. But a lot of people will take that acknowledgement of privilege and then weaponize someone's status as a part of a privileged group in an attempt to dismiss what they're saying. I literally saw in the 2020 election, during the primaries, Bernie Sanders supporters dismissing anything Elizabeth Warren said because she was a white woman. And it's like, yeah, white women have privilege, but did you not notice that your candidate is a white man? Whether Papa God has white privilege or not, he was affected by this thing that was really fucked up for Dennis to do. His white tears don't change that. Now, Dennis continuously acts like this is all just stupid, petty internet drama, but when he actually gets Papa Gut on the call, he brings up stuff that makes it seem way more personal than he's letting on. Like, for one thing, he brings up the fact that Papa Gut had made 21 videos of him, and granted, a lot of those videos weren't actually, like, 
criticizing Deaf Noodles at all. Some of them were defending him. I've watched those videos. And Papa Gut is a content creator, and he does reactions and commentaries, so if Deaf Noodles is a subject, it's not unreasonable for him to talk about Deaf Noodles. But I think from Deaf's perspective, the fact that these two have had this beef and he continuously sees his name being brought up on Papa Gut's channel, I think it just feels like an attack to him before he can even process what Papa Gut is saying. He also seems to infer a lot of bad faith on Papa Gut's behalf, including this donation that I guess he made that he seems upset that Papa never acknowledged. You said that I should have just monetized the video. You said that you yourself would have taken money in that situation, which is totally fine, do your thing. Yeah. However, you never acknowledged that I had a fundraiser next to the video that I raised, I think about $1,500, which is way more than I could have made in that video. Also, I mean, I at one point, you open her GoFundMe and it pops up on your screen that I'm the top donation on her GoFundMe, wow. which I donated. I donated money to her before I even made the video and you close it really quickly as soon as you see my name. And yeah, this could just be Dennis being really entitled, but it seems pretty obvious to me that he feels like Papa Gut is coming after him in ways that are really unfair. And though I don't think that that's the case, I think that it probably feels really real to Dennis. And I'm not trying to excuse his behavior. He's doing stuff that is just blatantly wrong. But I'm also seeing him as someone who has been online every single day for the last few years, and very publicly so. He is constantly updating his YouTube channel, he is constantly updating his Instagram, and now he's back to updating his Twitter. Every day he is online, every day he is getting criticism from people. And I think that affects your psychology and your defensiveness in a way that most people could just never understand. The human brain is not meant to internalize the amount of criticism that is lobbied at Dennis and other creators on a daily basis. It's natural to deflect criticism sometimes. It's just that Dennis is doing it, like, a lot. And I can't help but feel like that's probably the result of him being online too much. At some point when Sage, our fucking compassionate queen, asks Def if he's okay, he says, yeah, he's fine. He's better than he's ever been. He's doing all this new stuff and he's excited about new projects. But here's the thing. How the fuck does Def know how he is? If you are in a situation that is currently traumatizing you, you probably don't know how traumatized you are. And I'm not trying to, like, overblow whatever Def is going through and being like, he's so traumatized, he's got PTSD. But it is traumatizing to consistently deal with criticisms aimed at you every single day. That is gonna change you. That's gonna affect the way that you interact with the rest of the world. I don't think Dennis is capable of knowing how okay he is until he takes a fucking break. 
I don't want to like deplatform Deaf Noodles because I think he's like an insanely toxic or bad person. But I do think that at this point, people should not continue watching his content because I don't think that him continuing to make content is good for him mentally, emotionally, intellectually at this point. So Dennis, if you're listening to this, log off. Log off, come back in like a month minimum and we'll see if you're still as big of an asshole. So I'm a dip. Um, Def, I actually agree with Keemstar. I think you should uh, get into rollerblading. I think that'd be sick. I'd love to see you do a sick 360. Maybe smoke a big joint at the same time. I rate you. Safe one, man. As for me, I will be back on this platform, on this podcast soon. I don't know exactly when. I'm hoping in a week, but I don't know. I've got 6,000 pages to go through, and I've got a full-time job, so I don't know. But when I come back, we're going to talk about the fucking trial again. See you then.